You've tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 68 and was recorded on April 17th and made available for download April 21st at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon. And I'm Tony. Well, what have we got this week, Tony? In this week's Squawk Box, we bring you a little bit of a space roundup. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest design doc all about the FPS mechanics, and the 1.1.1 patch. We talk all about hangers in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, and finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GuardFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, well, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labour of love with you each week, free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that the folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We want to thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope that you consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Quick, normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. As promised, a little bit of a space news roundup this week. First up, third time was not the charm for SpaceX's attempt to recover the first stage booster of its Falcon rocket. Per standard procedure, the launch and delivery of the payload, a Dragon cargo capsule bound for the International Space Station, went off without a hitch. And, as always, the booster made a spot-on approach to the drone barge floating off the Florida coast. And, as always, the rocket came tantalizingly close to a gentle, easy touchdown. Right before losing gyroscopic stability due to excess, quote, lateral velocity, then consuming itself in a rocket-fuel-powered catastrophic exothermic reaction of doom! In other words, it tipped over and it uh, blowed up real good. But they're so close! Next up, in slightly less disappointing news, the Mars Curiosity probe has discovered evidence of liquid water beneath the surface of the Red Planet. How is this even a thing when the average temperature there is somewhere south of ice cream headache on the metric scale? The secret sauce, the special blend of herbs and spices, and the recommended dose of vitamins and minerals are... Anyone? Anyone? Carbon calcite or something like that? Oh, so close, Jeff, but sorry, the judges are not going to count that as an answer. If you're playing along at home and said salt and calcium perchlorate, then you win a fabulous prize. Pick yourself up something nice. The chemicals dissolved in the water lower its freezing point below the ambient subsurface temperature, allowing water to flow through the Martian soil. The presence of these minerals also acts as a natural wick, drawing tiny amounts of water vapor in the thin atmosphere back to the ground. But, and this is the wah-wah trombone moment here of the game show, The presence of liquid water in the otherwise hostile Martian environment does not bode well for the chances of detecting living organisms. But we might still find some fossils. Finally, in the unequivocally good news part of the show, NASA's New Horizons probe is now close enough to Pluto to start using its RALF color imaging system. Now, this is where I usually shift into my acronym voice and say that RALF stands for Remote Analysis of Light from Pluto and the Heliopause. But that's totally made up. Really, the camera is just named RALF. Uh, I'm dead serious. 
Although the probe is still 71 million miles away from Pluto and it is moon companions, roughly the distance between the Sun and Venus, the mission runners at New Horizons are gearing up for the probe's July flyby of the dwarf planet, which will bring the probe within about 8,000 miles, roughly twice the distance Lennon has to reach to smack me upside the head. That's cool news about water on Mars. I'm properly excited about that. Water is your thing. You like water. Well, it's not so much water, it's the possibility of life. And I know that, literally you said it in the article, having the water there bodes pretty crappily for finding life on Mars, but we might be able to find fossils and things like that, as you've said in the article, because, you know, there's bound to be somewhere some nice, like, underground cavern, and that's what we need to go and explore. Yeah, we need to, we need to find that thing. We need to have we need to have that, that scene where the guy is, you know, with his Martian pickaxe chopping away at some Martian rock, and he falls through, you know, into this underground cavern. We need that scene. We need that Hollywood yeah. scene to happen. And, you know, they find a giant Martian dinosaur fossil or something. But first we have to get there. Yeah. Would that actually be a good thing, or would that actually be scary as crap? Um, Probably scary as crap for the guy that fell through, but for the camera crew filming him as he fell, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, you don't really get production value like that on terrestrial planets anymore. No, no, no. I mean, think about it. I mean, the technology to get us to Mars, I mean, and we already have this, you know, think of the selfie technology advances in the past 10 years i mean think of where we're going to be at with selfie technology once we actually get to mars i mean people will be just recording their every movements throughout the entire day just because you never know when that great shot's going to occur like when you chop with your martian pickaxe through a martian cavern and fall and find a martian dinosaur i think selfie technology will support that once we get to mars well he's hoping because that's what we're about here we're about technology and advances and i think selfie technology is something that we don't give enough coverage to I've got to be honest, I, I feel we give the right amount of coverage to selfies on this show, which is precisely zero. <sighs> we'll have a production meeting about it. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for April 17, 2015, $79,171,000, up about a half a million bucks from last week, and another million dollar mark shattered. Well done, everyone. 875,000 star citizens, up about 6,000, and another 4,000 ships added to the UEE fleet, 675,000 of those. Down a little on the UE fleet, guys. Buy some more ships. Now, I love a good design post. In fact, if it were a choice between a design post or mac and cheese, well, the mac and cheese would win, clearly. But the point is, I really like design posts. And luckily for me, CIG have released another one, this time on FPS stances, breathing, and stamina. Now, we're all familiar with the concept of a first-person shooter. You get two teams, one of red, one of blue, and if you're on the red, and what you're looking at is blue, shoot it. Right, quite simple. CRG have taken this a couple of steps further and have given us a couple more pieces of fun to add to the equation. Stances, breathing, and stamina. Now, in most FPS games, you get the option of running and shooting or aiming down your sights to get a more accurate aim. Here is CIG's take on this. There are three different stances you can take. A lowered stance will point your gun barrel towards the floor, but in return you get to run around, jump, etc. And use your helmet's HUD, which includes things like a mini-map. The next stance is the ready stance, where you bring your weapon up to a more traditional firing position, but not looking down the sights. Instead of running, you'll have to walk. And the helmet's HUD will be limited as your character is focusing on holding the gun and looking at the field dead ahead of them. The final stance is the aim down the sight stance, which will put you into a slow walk, and your character will be staring firmly down their sights, naturally increasing the accuracy of their shots 
but at a disadvantage for not having any of your helmet's HUDs available. You'll be able to toggle between the lowered, readied, and aimed down sight stance at will, but your character will have to take some time to respond. Much like we've seen with entering vehicles, every action will take some time to accomplish, meaning you really have to plan out when you choose to walk, run, and aim. In addition, there are also a couple of other things to take into account. Anyone who's ever fired a weapon will know that the body's natural sway plays havoc with your aim and that your breathing is crucial to getting an accurate shot. Every time you breathe in and out, your chest inflates, your shoulder position moves, and by extension, your neck and head do too. To replicate this behavior, CIG have introduced a breathing mechanic, which can be monitored via the helmet's HUD and just the general movement of your character. When it comes to breathing, there are a couple of natural pauses, one at the top of the breath and one at the bottom of each breath. There are also the unnatural pauses, holding your breath. In each of these cases, your body's movements are lessened, which will increase your accuracy. Of course, how long each pause lasts depends entirely on how your character's feeling, and this is where stamina comes into play. The short version is that all that sprinting and jumping you'll be doing will leave your character out of breath, whereas taking it slowly will ensure the breathing is calmer and more regulated. At full stamina, there's a approximate one second pause between inhaling and exhaling, and each inhalation and exhalation takes approximately two seconds. If you're low on stamina, you can expect each pause to be around 0.2 to 0.3 of a second, with each inhalation and exhalation being just less than a second, making it much harder to aim accurately. Now, did we mention that you'll be able to hold your breath to assist with aiming? But for how long, again, depends on your stamina. At full stamina, you can enjoy a full 10 seconds of still before releasing, whereas at low stamina, you'll be lucky to hold it for a second. The downside to holding your breath is that after an unnatural pause, your body tends to exhale and inhale with more force, creating additional sway, which will also be modeled in the stamina system. Now, Tony, I know that when you saw this design post, originally you were not really thinking that you would be looking forward to the FPS module that much because FPS isn't your type of gameplay. But having seen this, how are you now feeling about the FPS system? Tempted. A little. They've sort of gone out of their way to make it not like the things I hate. Let's put it that way. I don't like just dropping in and the person who gets their mouse pointer to the right part of the screen fastest wins. You know, that's a flash game. That's that's not, that's a web browser game. I can click better than you. This one, there's real elements of judgment of, like we were saying in the, in the, in the post here, planning, forethought, someone who can treat it more like chess. You know, think three or four moves ahead. I need to sprint to cover here. It's going to take me six seconds or so to get my breath back so I can put aimed shots on target. During that 10 seconds or so that I'm moving and recovering, I'm gonna count on my buddy to lay down suppressing fire so that I have time and space to get to there. Once I'm there, I'll have a better shot at the guy hiding behind that crate over there. And as long as everything goes right, I should be able to put steel on target with relative accuracy in that zone of time. The spray and pray element is not going to be a winning strategy in this, in, in this type of environment. So it might actually be fun. I, I, I hesitate to use that word in conjunction with an FPS because that's a really unfamiliar concept with me. But I, I kind of I like where they're going with this. It's not just shooty, shooty, bang, bang. You actually have to keep you know movement and, and accuracy at the forefront of your planning and, and, and the forefront of your thought the whole time. It's, it's, it's very intriguing. You know, we all saw the, the FPS demo from last year, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, none of the none of those mechanics at the time seemed to be in play. So this is must be something new in their developments. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it seems like they're just getting the coding down. You know, it's it's interesting to me that in the round the verse they you know have that segment with with Hilphonic, and it is kind of funny to me how if they're gonna get this thing released in April and they're still talking about putting the Saddleball mode together, I'm just like, oh, 
they got a lot to do still. You know, maybe they'll withhold the Sataball content until, you know, after first release, but it just seems to me like they're adding a lot of features to it relatively quickly and rather innovative features to it rather quickly. So it's just interesting to see how fast it, it goes from some video on YouTube to a playable demo, a playable model, something they're willing to put a design post up because it's nailed down solid enough that they've actually got an idea of how it's supposed to work. I'm not sure if you've listened to our show before, Tony, but usually each week I do ask a question kind of along those lines. There's there's a segment we have devoted to this, yes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's, it's coming, it's just not here yet. And they add more things to it, which make it seem less crappy to me as a first-person shooter concept. I applaud them for taking the time and the effort to put in something to make first-person shooter not crap. Well, obviously... And that's the applause. That's my applause. Yes, there it is, right there. <laughs> that was a rather excitable golf clap you did. I, I, I'm, I think, you know, like, like golf, this is a slow process. There's a lot of putting involved. There's a lot of fishing your ball out of, of lakes and, and, and uh, roughs and probably under trees. Squirrels occasionally make off with them. It's an arduous process, like golf. So I think a golf clap is appropriate. Okay, so the FPS module is like golf. Just remind me how long you've been awake. 39 hours straight. Great. Okay, well, I'm glad that they have made this move away from the Twitch-based style FPS, purely because I just didn't think for a start it would remotely even fit in with the universe that they've been making. You know, everything's hyper-realistic. The flight model, the way you get in and out of your ships, everything is modded. You go up a ladder, you actually watch your character's head bob for a few minutes as you get into position and all that sort of thing. So I never really saw them going full-on Twitch gaming anyway but i wouldn't have been surprised to see something a bit more like the battlefield or call of duty style fps combat which is a little bit more of the you got your mouse in the right position so therefore you win type that you were trying to avoid yeah what i think is going to be quite interesting though is like you said you have to plan four or five moves ahead and i think this will lead to some really good in-depth squad strategies because unlike other fps's where you are on teams but ultimately you could still run around completely solo and not really have to care whether anyone's covering you or that sort of thing combine this breathing mechanic with the way that they're going to be doing death and injuries and everything like that you know if you take a bullet in the wrong place that's it you're out of that round you know you're out of that section you might even have to start a new character in the worst case but in the best case you know that you'll be able to rely on all of your teammates to actually come up with a strategy hopefully you know if you're going to be doing a lot of fps action you'll have some way of getting the layout of the place in advance kind of like swat teams and that would do in real life get the layout of the place devise your strategy right we'll go here here cover this point you know jones you can take this one smith you can take that one and it will just lead to much more strategic and absorbing gameplay rather than let's see who can down as much mountain dew as possible because i need to get my reaction times that fast yeah yeah, and you know the the DPS rating on my optical mouse or my laser mouse is critical to my ability to play the game in certain FPS shooters. But that's going to take a back seat to my ability to anticipate, plan, and execute and cooperate. The the laser accuracy of your mouse on your desktop is not going to be as important. Last week, the guys at CIG rudely published a patch during our show, so we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. But in the spirit of making the best damn Space Sim podcast ever, we didn't let that stop us from talking about it. 
One thing we did miss out on, mainly because we were just taking a stab at it as we didn't have the official patch notes, was that the Gladiator has a new type of missile available to it, the Stalker 5 series. No other ships are capable of mounting the size 5 missile right now, so they're not available to buy in the EA or VD stores. A word of warning, however, these things pack a punch, a serious one. In fact, the punch from these missiles has caused quite a few citizens to be kicked from the match when a friendly gets caught in the splash damage, as the game auto-detects this as friendly fire and the anti-griefing mechanics kick in. Of course, everything's in alpha and this will no doubt be tweaked, but just be warned that if you're in multiplayer and you see a gladiator, don't get all up close and personal with the van duel for fear of one of these going off in your face. Additionally, CIG snuck something in under the radar, or rather, inside an asteroid. As some pioneering sits and sieves had discovered an asteroid hangar inside an asteroid on the dying star map. Rumors floating around the community are that the hangar is part of the upcoming tutorial previously mentioned by Ben Lesnan. Some brave souls have even flown inside of it, but they report that it's not flagged as a landing zone. Unfortunately, you're unable to officially land, so you can't get out of your cockpit and walk around. And finally, in our coverage of the 1.1.1 patches, some good news. Everything in Star Citizen at the moment is a balancing act, and the wreck system is no exception. And it's been confirmed this week that although in the previous patch we were earning too much wreck too quickly, that in 1.1.1 the dial's been turned down just a little too far, and now we're earning it too slowly. In a post on the official forums, Ben Lesnick says, and quote, With 1.1.1, the early indication is that it's generating too little wreck. We will continue to change how it works until we have something that we're happy with. A level where it's both a challenge to earn new ships and weapons, but also rewarding enough to keep you playing. End quote. Well, it's, they're, they're, they're tweaking. They're trying to get some hot fixes out for the multiplayer issues. I was able to get in and fly around Dying Star for a while. Uh, my Super Hornet. And the flight model feels tighter. The cockpit looks nicer. They're slowly polishing up the rough edges and getting it to where it really, really... I mean, it's, it already looked amazing, but now it's starting to, like, feel really good. You know, it's starting to, like, I am jumping into a cockpit now. I didn't find the asteroid hangar, though. I guess I don't have a very good sense of direction. You know, I had to change my joystick, so I had to set it up for um, Star Citizen. So I, I jumped in and jumped into, a, you know, the Dying Star map and flew around and did some landings and stuff. You know, it was really, really, it was really nice. Really, really nice. Smooth as silk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, it's, get, it, it's getting a lot Beware, biatches. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I have been noticing is that we get the dev posts from the programming team, and they're pro- providing a lot of pretty specific information about what exactly they're working on and, and what failures they're able to reproduce and what steps the team are taking to you know get these bugs smashed and make multiplayer work again. Uh, it's interesting to me, I'm comparing this to when I spent time at Banks in my younger years, when we had a lot of proprietary software. Banks often will home grow their own systems to handle their internal whatevers, their own internal accounting or their internet bank bill paying systems or whatever. I'm, I'm kind of re- recalling that experience as I see CIG provide feedback as to, okay, here's Here's our status on these particular bugs. You know, if you're experiencing this type of issue, please give us feedback on that because our programming team is focused on that right now. We realize that this feature is, is crucial and is, is failing critically this time. We're working on We're devoting our, our resources to that. Jeff, I mean, is this, you, I'm sure you've had proprietary software development going on in and around your environment. Um, is this Does this sort of feel the same way to you? Uh, pretty much. You know, I think 
I think when it comes to software de development, the rules don't change. Everybody experiences these kinds of, I want to say oddities, but it really isn't an oddity. It's more like it's just a natural progression of development. But, but are they are they the way that they're interfacing with the community, the way that they're approaching this from a you know from a user experience standpoint? You know, they're they're bringing these updates out to everybody. They're soliciting feedback on particular things. This feels to me more like a sort of a custom software job rather than MMO development. Well, no, I, in that case, I would have to say no. In in a, okay. in the world of uh, what I do, uh, usually when we purchase an application or some kind and they have to tweak it for our needs, there's a small team inside like of our agency, for example, that the developers interface with and everybody else who has interest in this application will, of course, talk to this small team. And the team then relays that to the devs. The devs either communicate or don't, or, you know, they're mostly... Or communication between the devs and the team. <laughs> and then the trickle down from that is very, very minimal. In this case, that's totally different. It's almost like every one of us is part of that team. There's no head of that communicating to the developers. And the developers seem to be communicating a lot back, regardless of whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. There seems to be a lot more communication. I can't tell you which is better because I think sometimes too much communication is a bad thing as well as too little. No, I can see that. I mean, you know, if you if you know too much, especially if you like the thing that's bothering you isn't being worked on. You know, sometimes the illusion of they're working on everything right now and my problem will get fixed as soon as possible. Sometimes that illusion is better than knowing for sure that they've looked at all the problems and yours is third or fourth on the list. You're not a priority. Well, Lennon, you make programs from time to time, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. So is this a, have they got a dialed in right, or is it is there is it is it too much? Is it too little? I think like most things that we see with CIG, it's kind of unique in the fact that we have a community manager who is also a dev. And what I mean by that is that Ben Lesnick does actively work on the code for the game. Whereas a lot of other companies, the community manager, the guys that are out there on the forums, generally don't get their hands involved in the code. That's all handled by marketing, usually. So you tend to get the problem of almost like a Chinese whispers effect, where the dev team will say it one way to marketing, marketing will slightly misinterpret it and post it on the forums, the readers then misinterpret what marketing is saying, by the time it's got to the end of the chain, it's not really what the developers originally said, and then there usually ends up having to be a clarification post and so on. So having Ben as a dev as well as the community manager, I think it's good because we're getting a lot more access to the raw source of what the devs are trying to communicate with the players, and by devs in this instance I mean the ones who are actually developing the game. As for whether it's too much, too little, not enough, just right, uh, I know last week we were saying about it would be good to have more transparency overall, so I feel naturally inclined towards that angle regardless. I'm just always conscious that you've got to strike a balance between people like me who I'd be really interested to know, you know, the exact cause of it in a coding sort of sense where, oh, we sent this variable this way, but then it got cast as this type. So when it came back and it didn't work and blah, blah, blah. Whereas to somebody like you, that would probably send you asleep. Are you still awake, Tony? Okay, hey. cool. Hmm? Just check it. So I heard, I heard variable. I heard variable and I just, I zonked right out. Did I mention I'm on my 39th hour of being awake straight? Nearly 40th now, surely. Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think it's a good level of transparency. I think I would like to see it for more areas though, other than just whatever the major issue is. It would be good to know some of the other things that are going on, because then I think it would help to lessen the feeling that we were saying from last week about, right. you know, is there feature creep? What are they working on? We don't care whether it's my specific problem that's necessarily being addressed about this one tiny issue that I've got with the way the Class 5 missiles work on a gladiator, or whether it's, you know, here's a, an overall roadmap, this is what each department's working on, this part for Squadron 42, this part for the Persistent Universe, and Dave Haddock is planning out Squadron 42 Part 2 as we speak. I think it would be good to get more of an extension across the whole of CIG rather than just on the focused bits, but it's definitely a good start, and I'm much happier with the way CIG do it than with the way that a lot of other companies do it. And that's this week's community question. Give us your take on CIG's approach to dealing with the ongoing multiplayer problems. TMI? Or are we going to need cover sheets in our TPS reports? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. But now it's time for News We Didn't Use. The latest entry into the Galactic Guide with the Tyrol system. The April edition of Jump Point is available now. Get it while it's hot. Plain Truth. Calm Your Senator asks, are tax credits on the military money well spent? Meet the CIG Devs Episode 21 with Cherry Heiberg, archivist for Cloud Imperium Games. 10 for the Designers Episode 2. Whilst Chris is away, the designers shall play. Do you want to go faster? Well, the racing ships are now available to test drive. And Around the Birds Episode 40, featuring the best worst skit they've ever done. Limburger cheese stinkingly bad. It was, it was epically awful. Yeah. Speaking of around the verse episode 40, though, did you guys see the final fight between Ben and Sandy after all the flight school training? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I mean. Oh, the actual, the actual fight. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was a bit anticlimactic. Yeah, and I'm a little disappointed because Sandy won in an M50. Yeah. That's. Uh, but we don't know what Ben was flying. For all we know, Ben could have been flying the FPS module. <laughs> <laughs> he, could, he could have been flying a Marine in a jetpack. Well, I mean, they, they took a screen cap of what she was shooting at. I didn't, I didn't catch what, what she was actually shooting at when she was shooting at Ben. But I suspect, I suspect somebody took a dive. Yeah, I was wondering that. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think the fix might have been in on this one. I have, I have no evidence to support that. I have no, uh, you know, no, no insider source no sort of you know back into the left jfk oliver stone type uh you know footage i don't have anything just a, a gut feeling strong suspicion foul yeah. play well, you, might have been your guts never been wrong before i've, I've been i would you know what it's uh, yes just highly highly suspicious highly suspicious so yeah like you said she won in an m50 kind of a little bit uh, suspicious maybe maybe ben was flying around in a marine's outfit mm. So, if he's got it, where the f*** is the FPS module? It's funny you should ask, Lennon, because in a recent note from the chairman, Chris clears up the recent changes to the version numbers that we saw, now prefixed with Star Citizen Alpha, which clearly lets us know which part of the build cycle we're actually in. Alpha 1.1.1 is the most recent update. Alpha 1.1.2 will be a code stability patch pre-Star Marine slash FPS module. 
Alpha 1.2.0 will see the release of Star Marine, and Alpha 1.3.0 will give us the social module. So we have an answer. The first person shooter module will be Star Citizen Alpha 1.2.0. Well, let me let me rephrase the question then, Tony. When the f*** is the <laughs> FPS module? They have, by my count, 13 days as of the time they of this do. recording. They have 12 days because I'm from the future. You're from the I future. Have it. With the silver pants, yeah. And, yep. and you haven't found a first-person shooter module in your silver pants? Not to my knowledge, but it does have a few pockets. I'll tell you what, I'll rifle through them. Why don't you guys tell everybody what you've been up to this week? This, this is easy for me. I've been playing Elite Dangerous again with uh, Jeff and Elliot, and then I had work, which made me stay up all night last night. So I am really tired and really busy, but having, having a good time here tonight. And then I'm going to crash like you would not believe. That's, that's on my list of things to do. What did you do this week, Jeff? Uh, I think you answered that for me. I am so sorry. Well, tell them what you bought. Tell them your latest purchase. Oh, my, my Cobra Mark III. <laughs> so I didn't even play the game, and I know you bought a Cobra. Jeez, yeah. what is yeah. this world coming to? Yeah, I guess that's the ship you fly as well. I, 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 yeah. I, you know, I was talking to Elliot last night, and it's like, you know, I'm not going to get anywhere in the Viper just, you know, plinking eight cargo units across 154 light years every every time for just a measly little 120,000 credits. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to make it. Now, this way I can at least start building up a little bit of uh, cash reserves while we go forward with our other bounty. And I guess the Cobra is a pretty reasonable ship. It can hold its own. You know, and I've got. 16... I, I found it pretty flexible. Yeah, you know, I found it pretty flexible in the multi role. Although I never lost a fight in a Viper, I have had to run away once in a Cobra. Yeah, well. So I, I, I kind of miss my Viper. I kind of miss the, the the small maneuverable sort of craft. Which is funny because in Star Citizen, I don't really like the M50, which is the small Weasley, you know, super fast little sled. But I, I totally dig the Super Hornet, uh, which is you know, larger, less maneuverable. You know, but beefier. So it's, it's just weird between the two games which one I kind of prefer better. Speaking of the Super Hornet, you've just reminded me of this. Mm-hmm. If anybody out there has an excess of wreck and you're not too sure what to do with it, you can actually get all the ships that were on the concept sales available for purchase for wreck if they've been made hangar ready. For example, things like the Super Hornet, which you can now no longer buy because that was, you know, its time has passed. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering what to do with your wreck, yeah, you could always take a look at one of the two or three ships that you can't actually purchase anymore. Hmm. Cool. Good suggestion. Well, now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's go and learn all about hangers in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Good evening and welcome to Escape to the Fringe. This week, Jeff and Tony own a cargo transport business and are looking to ditch their hangar space on Terra and are ready to start a new venture on the Outer Fringes. They have a budget of approximately 300,000 UEC. So, gents, why don't you tell us what you're looking for? We've been working out of Terra for a while now, but our prime income sources are dried up. Or there are just too many other spaces out there taking the jobs. I like the fact that it's not high risk. But the rewards aren't cutting it. We've been trying to get out of our self-land hangar for a long time now. Don't get me wrong, self-land does great work. Dependable, familiar, but Terra's covered with them. And I'm looking for something you know new, exciting, with more space to store cargo. But I do love feeling secure in self-land, having been in one so long. But I would like something a little more stylish. 
and bigger. We would have the space we needed and room to grow if we get a larger ship. Easier to get their repair equipment in. Hmm, well that's going to be a bit of a challenge, but you know the rules. We show you three properties, each within your price range. One of them is owned by Escape to the Fringe. If you choose that property, you'll get it for free. Are you ready to play? Let's do it. Okay, the first property in our Moby Glass Hollow Viewer is a very nice Revlon York hanger on low in the coral system. Let's just expand it a bit so you can take a tour inside. Uh, well, they're generally not as affordable by themselves, but you can have the handcrafted wood panelling and all the other luxuries that they supply at a much lower cost when you're out on the fringes. There's just not as many people out there looking to buy them, so they have to lower the prices in order to shift them. You know, I'm all for the best that money can buy, but I really want the best deal as well. If we're moving out to the fringe, we're going to be taking on greater risks, and I, I just don't want to get into a risk we can avoid, like paying for a more expensive hangar, when it might take a while to get our feet under us after we move. What types of hangars are available that would allow us the most crack for our credit? Alright, well, our next hangar is on Ellis 3, where we have an AeroView hangar. Lots of space, very business-like. It would be great for meeting clients and very professional-looking. Also, a lot of space for repair equipment. Yeah, I don't like their policy of not catering to non-citizens. It's kind of despicable. Okay, okay. Well, finally, here on Magnus, an area ripe with opportunity, we have an asteroid hangar. VFG Industrial built this one custom for a well-known privateer, Captain Teacher, but the UEE claimed it once he was taken down after he turned to piracy, and the hangar is on sale for an extremely low price. Hmm, I don't know, it looks a bit shabby. Yeah, whoa, 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 but it's made of solid rock. Now that's sturdy, and look at all the room. Plenty of room to store things, room for equipment, some meeting areas, and our property experts think that this one might be the sort of thing you're looking for. What do you say, Jeff? If it's cheap enough, we'd have some liquid funds after the move. Even if it's not the free one. Well, maybe, but that ratty couch over there has to go. Well, it's that point in the show where you guys have to make a decision. But before you do, here's Justin with a quick recap. Will it be hangar number one, the Aeroview on LS3? Affordable, but stylish. Will it be hangar number two, the Revel in York on low in the Corel system? Classy, upmarket, perfect for those high-powered board meetings. Or will it be hangar number three, the asteroid hangar? Expensive, sturdy, great for future expansion. The choice is yours. Well, gents, what's it going to be? Oh, the asteroid. Yeah, the asteroid. With no couch. All right, the asteroid hangar it is. With a sale price of... 275,000 UEC. Oh, I'm sorry, gents. You don't get a free escape to the fringe. But you're on your way. On your own. Well, that's all the time that we've got this week. Join us next time as two more people want to escape to the fringe. Good night. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly. Some say his toilet swirls both ways in all hemispheres, and that people sometimes confuse him with New Zealand. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. Our community question last week, when you pledged, what were you pledging for? Were you after the Persistent Universe, Squadron 42, or just the grand vision of Chris Roberts? What are your thoughts on the latest announcements with Star Citizen? Haiku Knives writes in and says, I backed the project so I could serve as a crewman on a capital ship, not just as the captain, but as a gunnery sergeant or mechanic or helmsman or a flight deck chief. In fiction, it takes the entire crew to make the captain look good. Sniper Fury writes in and says, I backed because I wanted a single player space sim. 
everything else was just icing on the cake. I was overjoyed when we hit the 5.5 million and never in my wildest dreams did I think we would ever get to where we are today. As for getting a trilogy instead of a single game, I'm fine with this. While I would have liked a game more in keeping with the original goals, we have gotten and will be getting so much more that I cannot see that as a negative. This also means we could get some new single player stories that don't follow the military path. Snowman writes in and says, I played Wing Commander 1 through 4 and Freelancer for hundreds, possibly thousands of hours. Then Chris Roberts went to the movies and I was sorely disappointed. One day Bandit told me that Chris Roberts was making a game and needed support. A little ship here. Oh, that's nice. Maybe a bigger ship. I'm busy, but need a little ship too. Oh, and an evil alt. And hey, gifts for family and friends. I regret nothing. At $1 an hour for great entertainment, I would still owe Chris Roberts money. Aiden writes in and says, I backed for the single player, was thrilled when we hit the MMO stretch goal, and now I'm more excited about that than Squadron 42. Great show as always. I will say, though, if it takes a trilogy to tell the Squadron 42 story, I'd rather that be the plan from the get-go rather than try to cut it down to two and throw together a tangentially related third game later. Like you said, more cake! Osteron says, My primary reason for backing was to be able to play the game when it's finished, and I mean the whole game. Squadron 42 plus the Persistent Universe, as when I backed, the Persistent Universe was already a foregone conclusion. I've had to fight off my own desire to cry feature creep, especially given, based on the way the original project was timelined, we were all supposed to be in the Persistent Universe beta by now. That said, I disagree with the idea that CIG needs to be more transparent about its timelines. They tried that and ended up with truckloads of backlash and negative press when they missed it. I don't think timelines or roadmaps will help ensure confidence of their business plan. Swordfish Lesbier writes in and says, As an ex-EVE online player, I pledge primary for the promise of an immersive first-person universe that I could fly around in. In addition, I'm also hoping the game, with its more CIG-controlled economy, will be a much greater projection from the backstabbing, paranoia, scamming, and general being-a-jerk nature of a large portion of what the EVE Online community is. Local chat is an intelligence-gathering tool. Strangers rarely speak from a mutual atmosphere of mistrust and fear, and the chat channels in the trade hubs are primarily used to advertise scams. I want to interact positively with the people I meet and not have to run their names through a background check just to make sure that they aren't going to backstab me in the future. Thanks for making Tuesdays that much better. See you all in the verse. Con artist says, I backed because of Space Fish. <laughs> Didn't we all? Amontillado says, Hi folks, for me, the open world sandbox is the main offering here. That doesn't necessarily mean the Persistent Universe though. While I have hopes of being able to play the game, I want to play on the Persistent Universe, the idea that a private, moddable server is going to be available is the clincher. About the announcement that Squadron 42 will be a trilogy of games, has CIG indicated that they're actually starting production for the third game? Having a story arc in mind early in the production process that encompasses all three Squadron 42 games, I think is an important step and is in no way a detriment to the production of the Persistent Universe or the first two Squadron 42 games. I don't think it's necessarily a feature creep either. All that we know is that they plan to release a third Squadron 42 game. They haven't even gotten to the point of naming it yet, and it could all very well be nothing more than a paragraph of ideas scribbled down by Dave Haddock. No cause for concern. Cheers. KJL Taiwan writes in and says, Googled Star Citizen based on a comment from EVE Online Corp Me. Some research and the 300i commercial sold me. I'm in it for the PU. Well, there we go. A lot, a lot of good of, feedback last yeah, week. And, a lot uh, of good feedback. You know, not not nearly as much uh, Tony's a big whiner. You know, again, in the, in the spirit of a rational discussion on the topic, well played, everyone. Well yes. done. So what you're saying is we all like space fish. 
<laughs> yes. We do. Space fish is, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Space fish are the primary reason that uh, we're doing this show and that we've all backed as much as we have. So Funnily enough, though, no space fish it. did actually get some money out of me because I did buy some UEC in order to put more into my fish tank. I think I've probably spent more on fish than I have on guns. So... They're clearly on a right hand. There's something there. to that. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There's something there's something there. I was gonna say I did like Haiku Knives' suggestion though of uh, wanting to be a crewman, which is quite a good reason to back. You know, some people do just want to be a lackey, and that's awesome to hear. Quite well, frankly. actually, let's explore that topic for just a minute. I got my son into Elite Dangerous the other day. He's been watching over my shoulder for a while, and so we, we've made an arrangement. Uh, a series of chores will be performed, and so I, I got him into Elite Dangerous. And um he and, he and I were kind of talking about it. And Elite Dangerous really just is a series of mini-games. You know, there is the shooty-shooty bang-bang part where you blow up other spaceships, but a lot of the other gameplay time is actually just a series of line up these things on your radar screen properly and you'll land. Line up these things properly up on your main screen and you'll, you'll drop out of hyperspace or whatever. Uh, line up this icon in your crosshairs and you'll scoop up the cargo. I mean, Elite Dangerous is really a series of mini-games, and I think that as a lackey or a crewman, if you want to be a little more respectable about it, um, uh, there will, it'll just be a series of hopefully engaging mini games to do to repair damaged gear, uh, loading torpedoes into the magazine. You know, hopefully that's the design feature that they're kind of going after is that the people that don't want to necessarily have to drive a ship or be responsible for selecting and, and prosecuting targets in space those people can play a series of entertaining and challenging mini games and help the people that want to accomplish those other things. So hopefully that's what they're working on. And, and yeah, and, uh, we're hiring at the guard frequency response. We need <laughs> lackeys. Jeff needs minions for his hangar. So we're hiring. I just want somebody to sweep the floors. <laughs> there will probably be a mechanic for that. There probably will be. I mean, they've gone with, uh, you've got debris manager, you've got breathing manager, sweeping manager is just, it's next on the list. It has to be. I'm sure. Gotta be. Well, in general show feedback, Sean Newboy says, Wonderful show, everyone. Brickwall Goalie, who is Mikey, our assistant audio editor, says, Regarding player crafting, I personally love crafting in games. I've shelved several MMOs because crafting is rubbish in them. I stuck with others, even though the game itself was subpar, but I enjoyed the crafting system. One possibility that would still allow CIG to have a good amount of control of player-made items would be one similar to what Pirates of the Burning Sea has. A single player all alone could craft cannon ammunition and little more, and the largest and best ships in the game could take a group of 10 or 15 players up to two weeks to build. Another possibility for player crafting would be modifications. I, for instance, don't have the technical knowledge of manufacturing stream to build a RC helicopter, but I can add counterweights or other upgrades to make it perform more to my liking. A system like this might fit in more in line with what CIG has outlined. Moa D writes in and says, First off, I wanted to say I love this show. When I first was getting into Star Citizen, Guard Frequency was one of my main sources I used to get caught up with what I missed. I heard you guys respond to my question in 10 for the Chairman, but I wanted to follow up with the second half of my question, which was omitted from 10 for the Chairman. My main question regarding gathered resources was more to do with the possibility of resources being used in ships repair or even ship upgrades. Potentially, certain ships would require specific resources for repair. Additionally, certain ores could have different effects on the ship hulls. For example, an element that, when fused, lowers signature but may also lower resistance to ballistic damage. Such a system would create a secondary market for resources outside of just selling resources to NPCs. I would be very interested in hearing what you guys thought on the matter. Keep up the great work. 
Well, that's two uh, two posts in a row about people demanding, you know, some sort of personal crafting system. Clearly, expect this, yeah, to be a thing in the persistent universe eventually. Well, having said everything that we took last week, which came out of ten for the chairman. Conversely, this week in 10 for the designers, they were saying that Chris has always envisaged a system where you can upgrade your gun, very much like how uh, Brickwall Golly was saying about modifying an RC helicopter. You know, you can't design it, but you can certainly take it and pimp the living crap out of it, you know, to get a weapon that's more to your liking. So... Obviously, we're going to have to wait for more details to come out because on one hand, they're saying you won't be making a lot of stuff. On the other hand, they're saying you'll be upgrading your stuff. So maybe that's more what it's going to be. It's not going to be a crafting system in the EVE Online sense of you can make a capital ship if you've got the blueprints, but more of a modification type thing where, oh, if I remove this bit from my gun, the fire rate increases. I think it may be just a conceptual difference in that uh, the example I was using last week was you gather flowers to make this potion. In our world, you need to gather microchips in order to upgrade your already other manufactured sensor package. You know, it's it's like if you want to get this the special boost to a particular item, you may have to scrounge for a particular manufactured good that you can't find in a lot of places. Maybe the manufacturer went out of business, you know, and they don't they people aren't making new ones anymore, so you gotta go to junkyards to scrounge them out of wrecked ships, that kind of stuff. I think that kind of quote crafting is definitely gonna be part of the game. I think that fits very nicely in you know, with CIG's vision. I don't know if we're going to be able to do things like Muad'Dib wants to do and take raw ore and make that into some sort of special ship armor. I think that might be a step too far. But, you know, going to a junkyard and tearing off hull plating from a busted up ship because they had a you know a special armor that you liked that they don't make anymore, I think that would certainly be a thing you know, that they could put in there. I was talking to my friend last week you know, about this very question. We do a lot of gaming, or used to do a lot of gaming together in the WoW, Lotro uh, game world, so it's different than the Space Sims. And, and we do a lot of crafting in WoW because uh, the outcomes are that you can, uh, you know, if you get the skills up or whatever, you can craft, you know, the next great piece of armor you need to go raiding with, and, and that's up to the individual. Individual. There's no group crafting of that available, except for the fact that you may need to do a lot of it to get your skill to a point where you can actually make that piece. So every game does their crafting in such a way that the end result has been something of a personal nature. In right. It's a thing you need to do something that you want to do later. Right. And I think in this world, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think I'm going to be crafting right. stuff so that I can turn it in so that I can get stuff back that will become part of my personal nature. And continuing on with the general show feedback, Murder Source writes in and says, thanks for the great media, guys. Danish Mule says, awesome show as always. Guard Frequency is my one-stop go-to news source on all things Star Citizen. That's almost as catchy as Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever. Almost. Almost. It keeps me up to date and giggling like a small schoolgirl. Oh, wow. And while I don't have time to read the forums, watch YouTubes, etc., Thanks, guys, and keep it up. Forgot to mention, the cannonball idea is awesome. Someone definitely needs to organize that. Smiley face. Yeah, I think that should be our first org event, because then we can get people into trouble and go rescue them. Yeah, That's, That's an excellent point. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. It's a business. It's a, it's a, it's a loss. Charging groups are excellent large, uh, sums of money. Yes, I love it. <laughs> That's a good point. Excellent. I like this. Uh, Green Dragoon writes in and says, I think if we want the level of transparency Star Citizen provides, we have to accept that it's run by humans and not marketing firms. 
And just because they don't tell Chris no in public doesn't mean that there's no one to tell Chris no at the end of the day. We back because we had enough faith in Chris's ability to bring the game to fruition. That's very true, but I think the evidence sort of speaks for itself that they're doing the third episode. I mean, there's some question about, well, how much, re- how many resources are they actually devoting to it? Probably they're shooting most or all of the mocap for the whole series now. If you're going to go to the time and expense of getting everything set up, renting the space for the motion capture, hiring all the technical expertise you need, if you've got it written, you might as well shoot it now. There's no reason to, to put it out there. It's just the time the time to say, hey, Chris, maybe let's let's dial back on the third episode. That would have been months ago. I mean, that would have been a long time ago where that someone might have said, nah, hang on a minute. Didn't happen. And that's and again. That's okay. It's I mean it's not like it's not like I don't think it's going to turn out great. It'll probably be fine. It's just I sort of worry for the future when maybe next time it might not be okay. Permanent Starlight says no complaining about Tony's rent this time. It was completely reasonable and well explained. Sorry, I'm, I'm not. I have to reread this. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I know. Those words don't just my jaw just dropped. <laughs> those words don't just fall off your tongue, yeah. do they? No complaining about Tony's rent this time. It was completely reasonable and well explained. Personally, not worried about single player. Well, I'm not sure who you are and what you've done with the real Permanent Starlight, but if you could bring him back, <laughs> we'll forget this ever happened. <laughs> Cliffy Joel writes in and uh, quotes us from an earlier episode, quote, Jeff, do you still want a friends list? No, I just want some friends. Well, there you have it. (laughs) You guys crack me up. Uh, Thank you, Cliffy Joel. Thanks. Yep. Finally, Peter Vandenbemt wrote in. He sent us an incredibly in-depth email, and we just wanted to give him a shout-out to say thanks. It was, uh, he started out. It was good. Yeah. He started out saying, I sat down to write a short email. And then it turned into like 17 pages. But the the very short version of it is, he's played EVE Online for a very long time, and their economy started out where you could only build the very basic elements. But since then it's opened up and you can craft Titans, which are their version of capital ships, if you wanted to. He believes Star Citizen may follow suit, and he brings up a point that maybe it could be a thing where you would have to purchase a trade license in order to craft a certain thing. For example, if you want to produce weapons, you've got to be licensed as a weapons manufacturer. He then goes on to say that he hates the words corporate governance and he feels like it just gets in the way of the creative process. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's exactly right. Lawyers are here to ruin everyone's fun uh, and tell people no and remind them that they can't have nice things. That is our job description. And to say things like corporate governance, which automatically puts people to sleep and uh, bores them. <laughs> Lennon? Lennon? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Okay, yeah, moving on. Oh, no new patrons this week. Sad face. Oh. And this week's winner of Guard Frequency Swag, courtesy of random.org, is Jeffrey Grant. Enjoy your glorious Guard Frequency sticker coming your way soon. And a reminder of this week's community question, give us your take on CIG's approach to dealing with the ongoing multiplayer problems. Too much information, or are we going to need cover sheets on our TPS reports? Let us know. Send us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com, or post on our show thread over on the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. So, how was the show? Do we make our parents proud, or should we pack our bags to a trip to boarding school? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. 
Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just look us up on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so just take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of Episode 68 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 69 on April 28th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subform. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us are always found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the one-stop go-to news source on all things Star Citizen? Well, if so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, then why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greatest Star Trek universe. Just head on over to priorityonepodcast.com. You know, just as an aside, I gotta say, it's not quite as catchy as Best Damn Space Sim Podcast. Yeah, you're fired. You didn't say that. Yeah. yeah, you're fired. Yeah, yeah. It's close. It's really good, but... Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 8.30 p.m. Central, Saturdays, 2.30 GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty low. Reduce thrust. Turn to three three zero. Carol one five. Squawk seven seven zero zero. Stay on the guard. But all we know is he's called the Shiv. Knee up together. You know, I've got that towel, and I never can go into space without my towel. So I was wondering if I would actually get an opportunity to wear that towel, you know, you know uh, when, the, when it all comes, you know, to being, when we get to walk around and stuff. Did I just hear that you want to walk around your ship in a towel? Was that what you're trying to say? All, That's what only for you, Lennon. <laughs> well, I say we end this segment right here, and we get in game. <laughs> I will change it to some appropriate costume. We'll take it from there. <laughs> Squawk box in three, two. As pro, oh, dang it, missed the first line. <laughs> now, now, hang on a second. You said it's not a planet. I think you need to rewrite or write this and and call it what it is. It's a dwarf planet. Okay. Look, Neil deGrasse Tyson said so. If he says so, that's what it is. Okay. If you wanted to call Neil up, that, that's cool. But I'm not going to argue with the man. No, I think we should put that out as a challenge. Neil, if you're listening, come on the show. <laughs> We can find it out here. It's cool. It's cool. We got room for you. We got, we'll, we'll, we'll scooch over and make room for you with the, uh, near, near Mike. We'll do it. We'll do it. CIG takes this as follows. There are three different stances you can take. Uh, CIGs take it. Uh, CIGs take on this as a. 
And why am I screwing up? It's a little British. It is a little British. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to soak in it for a minute. CIG's take on this as follows: There are three different. St- Hang on, almost. You almost had it. You're just gonna make me keep doing this over. And over. Yeah, I am. I really am. I really, really. <clears throat> this is. You're, we're gonna. We're gonna. You're gonna be speaking British by the end of the show. CIG's take. Oh, then Ellen goes and changes. I know. He almost had it. He almost had it though on the last one. Okay. CIG's takes. CIG's take on this as follows. There are what? It's is as follows. Is as follows. Yes. Part of the value of the live show, you get to see how the sausage is made. No, God, no, that's the worst thing. Okay. The sausage effect? Please, no. If you love something, never find out how it's made. Including this show. <laughs> Meet the CIG Devs Episode 21 with Cherry Heiberg, an activist for Cloud Imperium Games. Oh, ar- archivist. Ar- <laughs> You're right. <laughs> she may be an activist, too. Yeah. We don't know. We don't inquire into people's personal <laughs> okay. lives here. At, okay, at, let me... At the, at the what do we frequency. want? The FPS module. When do we want it? No! <laughs> Quick thing that's going to get cut from the blooper reel, I can guarantee it. Listener comment who shall remain nameless said, I found it anticlimactic. I never climaxed once. (laughs) 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 That's going in the bloopers. Yeah, yeah. Well Well done. You know who you you are. If you watch that for more than four hours, you may want to see a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, that's...